you want really good coffee to take on your next adventure, use CS Instant Coffee. You can find out more about them at csinstant.coffee. I didn't flinch. I didn't really hesitate. I just kept riding my line and he didn't move or she didn't move. It just kept running at me. And I literally ran this thing over um, at 20 plus miles per hour. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, where we hear stories of adventure from every corner of the planet. We interview all sorts of folks who are using their sport to explore the world around them and give you the inspiration you need to get out there and have some fun. Hey folks, this episode is actually from the new show that I host called Without Compromise, and that is produced through Athletic Brewing Company. I and mean, if you don't know, I now work for Athletic Brewing. We make uh, non-alcoholic craft beer, obviously really popular popular with athletes because you can get the great taste of craft beer without the effect of alcohol. Well, anyway, they wanted to introduce some of the people in their network and on their uh, ambassador team who are just achieving incredible stuff. So the show is similar to this, but it's with the athletic community. And we interview people that are basically chasing crazy ideas and, and how they're able to do it. So in a lot of ways, similar to this show. So I'd love for you to go check that out. You can find it at athleticbrewing.com or really anywhere else you get podcasts, but it's called Without Compromise. And this episode in particular is interviewing Ben Hoffman. He is an athletic brewing athlete, and he's also just a professional Ironman competitor. In fact, he's won seven full Ironman competitions. And if you don't know, an Ironman is a 2.4-mile swim, a 112-mile bike, and then literally a 26.2-mile marathon. So, And you do it one right after the other. You jump out of the water, jump on your bike. Uh, sometimes you don't even have your shoes on yet. It's pretty remarkable, but Ben has won seven of those. He came in fourth place in Ironman World Championships in 2016 and most recently in 2019, literally last year. And in 2014, he came in second place in the World Championship. So that's the highest he's been able to go. Uh, obviously, winning Worlds is is definitely something he'll be able to try for again this year and, and for the next few years. He's just now hitting his prime, so it's an exciting time to see if he's going to pull it off. I, I, I definitely think he can. And also, he's won seven half Ironman competitions. So the the guy is no joke. He has you know just so much experience, and you can learn a lot from him. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Hope you go check out the new show I host, and I hope you check out Athletic Brewing as well. Anyway, I, I've heard from a lot of listeners lately, so thank you for. To, to everyone who's reached out lately and, and just given some words of encouragement around the new year. Really appreciate it. And I, I always love hearing from y'all. So if you ever want to send an email, just send it to info at adventuresportspodcast.com. Love hearing from listeners. So if you get a chance, I, I'd love, I'd love, a, I'd love an email from you. <laughs> All right. Y'all get out there and have some fun. Today we're talking to Ben Hoffman. Ben, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's awesome to be on. Yeah, man, I, I really appreciate it. And you know, we were talking a little bit before, but I, I, I kind of want to hear more about it. Could you take us kind of all the way back to where you grew up and, and what your childhood was like? Yeah, so I was uh, born in Western Colorado in Grand Junction, 
and spent the first, well, basically 18 years of my life there. And, uh, you know, I was very fortunate to have some awesome parents. So we were constantly getting out there and doing stuff, you know, taking advantage of being in a beautiful place and really exploring the outdoors. Um, I would say when it came to the athletic side of things, I was, you know, more of a soccer player, basketball in high school. Um, I did some rock climbing and skiing, all kinds of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I was always a bit of an athlete, but, you know, it didn't really evolve into a more serious component of my life until, I guess, college when I was at the University of Montana in Missoula and went to college there for four years, um, found out about the triathlon club team, I think in my sophomore year, 2003, and uh, went to one of their meetings and then to a few of their um, practices slash training sessions. And, you know, I kind of really enjoyed the the training, enjoyed the people. I mean, I got into it pretty seriously right away uh, that fall and winter 2003 and into the spring of 2004, did my first race in 2004 and realized I had a bit of a knack for it. There was a little bit of a hiatus in 2005. I did some some traveling and studied abroad in, in Argentina and then came back and realized how much I missed it and really got after it in 2006. Won the collegiate national title and went professional in 2007. Uh, won my first Ironman in 2010 after moving back to Durango, Colorado. And uh, the rest is kind of history. Um, now I split my time between Tucson and Boulder. And uh, yeah, I'm entering my 13th or 14th professional season. So kind of a dream come true, not something I've really imagined doing, but um, now I can't imagine doing anything else. Jeez, man. Uh, yeah, thanks for summing all that up. Good gracious. You fit a lot into that <laughs> two minutes right there. I, I, I actually read somewhere, I hate to dra- draw it all the way back, but I, I read somewhere that you went on some like uh, almost cross-country bike tours with your family or nearly cross-country. Yeah, so I've never actually ridden all the way across the country um, in one go, but I would love to do that at some point. It's definitely an ambition of mine and something I might be able to talk my wife, Kelsey, into doing at some stage. But yeah, we uh, <clears throat> actually started um, and got my first road bike back in high school. And my, my parents got into doing some road cycling and there were week-long tours in Colorado that we would do in the summertime. And uh, those were supported tours where you would camp at night and then travel you know, to, the new, to a new place every day riding anywhere from 40 to 100 miles, depending. Um, and then I went to, uh, you know, <clears throat> we did a family trip where we were self-supported. Uh, we left from Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and rode out to the Midwest and to Ohio and that area to see family. And I can't remember the exact mileage, but, you know, it ended up being about riding about halfway across the country. And, um, yeah, that was kind of my first real foray into road cycling. And, yeah, it was, uh, you know, something that I really enjoyed and, uh, you know, it was, it was a good thing because I think for some people, when it comes to the gear and triathlon, the, you know, one of the barriers to entry and one of the bigger hurdles probably is getting a decent bike. And I was fortunate to have one of those, uh, straight away when I started racing triathlon. It sounds like some, uh, adventurous parents, you know, willing to do <laughs> like that with their kids, you know, it sounds really cool and, and definitely, a you know, a foundation of endurance and longevity in your athleticism. And so you said from there, you know, you went to college and didn't really discover triathlons till then. What was the world of triathlons like then? Was it was it something you just really knew nothing about? Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I had very limited knowledge um, until I started training with the club team up there. I had read a little bit here and there about the Ironman World Championships in Hawaii, which a lot of people are familiar with. It's kind of 
you know, one of the premier single day endurance uh, events in the world. And I think I, you know, it was in the background and, you know, I'd heard about it here and there, read about it in a couple of books, but yeah, I mean, in terms of understanding the sport, knowing anything about it, I really didn't. And I had no swim background. So, um, yeah, that was one of the big projects. The initial projects was learning how to swim more than 25 yards without gasping for breath. And, uh, I didn't know much at all about the sport, as I said, but I was very fortunate to be around a lot of really, um, you know, really, I guess, high level athletes at the time. There were, for whatever reason, there were kind of two main or maybe three main meccas at the time. Um, I would say San Diego, Boulder, and then actually Missoula seemed to have a really great triathlon community. Team Stampede had a lot of professional athletes and just a lot of good information that I was exposed to straight away. So I definitely think, you know, we've all heard the stories now of the 10,000 hours and Bill Gates being exposed to, you know, programming at one of these very few high schools in the U.S. at that time that had access to computers. Um, and I feel like the same thing's true for me with triathlon where, you know, I just happened to be in the right place at the right time and then take advantage of it. So, um, but the sport was definitely growing. I mean, you know, it still is to some degree, it's had its plateaus, but overall, I think, you know, the sport continues to grow and become more ingrained in the sort of, um, culture of, you know, us sports. So it's an exciting time and it's fun to be part of, you know, the, the front end of, uh, you know, long course racing in the, in the U S for sure. So how early on in that career did you notice that you had a knack for it? Was it, was it just in training or, or the first event? That's a great question. I mean, I think for me, I look back at my, you know, my earlier career in sports like soccer and basketball, and I was always that guy that could just outlast people on the court or on mm -hmm. the soccer field where I had no problem with the endurance side of things, whether it was a step test, I could outlast everybody. I wasn't always the fastest, but, you know, I definitely had that endurance component uh, sort of built in. And then I think when it comes to triathlon and my sort of first recognition of, you know, my strength or ability on that front, I would say it really was my first race that I did. Uh, 2004, I did the Grizzly Triathlon, which is kind of a local triathlon up in, in Missoula. It's a sprint distance with a thousand yard pool swim, about a 12 or 13 mile bike ride, and then a three, uh, a little over three mile run. And uh, I was racing against kind of the local legend at the time, Matt Seeley, professional triathlete. And I battled with him all day. I mean, it's only an hour race, but we went back and forth throughout the, throughout the race. And uh, yeah, and I ended up finishing second, 19 seconds behind him. And, you know, it was kind of like, okay, well, I guess I can, if I can do a battle with a guy who's, you know, winning some races and making a little bit of money in the sport, uh, there's a decent chance I can pursue this and, you know, continue to improve and maybe be one of the best in the world at some point. Wow. Just right from the get go, you're like, I'm going to be a pro. <laughs> so, so let me ask you this, you know, you were in college at that time. I mean, were you having to make a decision between what you were studying in school and this and, and how difficult was that for you? Yeah, for me, it was never really that way. Actually, um, I will say my senior year of college, I was pretty much ready to be done. And I felt like I was maybe more focused on a major in, um, you know, triathlon, so to speak, than I was in in my actual area of study, but I definitely, um, you know, I kept the energy high, I ended up finishing, you know, with honors and, and performed really well, always on the school front. And one of the other things that my parents instilled in me besides a million other things, you know, was that work ethic. And, um, I was fortunate to have support for them from them, you know, for my schooling. So that was always my number one job when I was in college. Um, but as soon as I was done, you know, I was, <laughs> I was ready to just kind of 
run with this thing and see how far I could take it. So, yeah, it would, it, you know, it wasn't, again, anything that got in the way of my studies, but um, I was certainly more interested in pursuing that than anything else I had studied in school during my four years in Montana. There was literally no room for compromise on any front to excel at school and at this sport. And so you said your were your parents do I mean, how did they feel about the decision? <laughs> that's uh you know because they sound adventurous, but I also think maybe they were like, you know, this is really a shot in the dark. Yeah, it, and it was, you know, I so it, it's a great thing that you that you bring that up because um we still talk about it today now, you know, like I said, fourteen, thirteen, fourteen years into my professional career where I think um, my parents have always been, you know, really important people in my lives, as, as you can probably tell. And, mm-hmm. um, and they provided a lot of, you know, amazing opportunities and experiences for me. I would say that as, as adventurous as they are and, and um, understanding, I think there was some hesitation on their, on their part, especially, you know, straight out of school like that. Um, yeah, I, I think that they pro- what it was is they probably didn't understand exactly the level um, of passion that I had, you know, built for this sport and for, for racing. I mean, they had been to a lot of my events and they were obviously following my life quite closely, but to turn something like this into a job is a whole nother step and and another level. So yeah, I think they were a bit surprised initially. Um, I would, I would say they never showed anything other than support, even if they had some trepidation. Um, You know, I think they kept that to themselves for the most part. Um, And then I think they also got to see, my development pretty closely and be a part of it and, and watch that I was actually making things happen. Um, and I did, you know, I worked a part-time job initially when I moved to Durango to pursue it more full-time, I still worked a part-time job to support myself and, um, you know, gradually got traction over time. And I tell people too, that, uh, you know, that making a living at this was always a goal of mine. That's not something that I'll ever say, you know, isn't true. Um, I always made it a focus and thought it was an important component of, sort of validating it to myself. And I think there was a point, you know, that probably came three or four years into pursuing it where I was just getting by. And I told myself, you know, like, it's time to, it's time, it's kind of make or break right now. I either need to step up and prove that I can really make this a a full-time thing, um, or maybe it's time to move on and find something else. And that was a critical year in 2010 where I performed really well, actually. Um, I did step up to the plate and I finished second in an Ironman, won another Ironman, and then was able to get kind of uh, more sponsorship support and, you know, really take the next step. Do you enjoy that side of being a professional athlete, the business side, or is it a, a burden to you? You know, I really love it and always have. It's funny. Um, I, I know a lot of professionals out there who have a management team and, and they do everything and they don't want to communicate with the sponsors. They don't want to have that relationship. They want that buffer between them and the partners that they have. Um, for me, you know, a big part of why I do this is the social aspect, the relationships with people. And, uh, and yeah, and I think too, that in our sport, which is still relatively small, you know, the relationships that you have with these people is really what it's all about. And I think it's what kind of drives the contracts and what really makes uh, the sponsorship happen is having those personal connections with people and businesses. So, um, yeah, I've always enjoyed that part of it. Now my wife and I pretty much manage everything in house. Um, and, you know, I get I get a lot of joy out of yeah connecting with these people and building these relationships and partnerships, which I hope most of the time are mutually beneficial. So I, I guess it's safe to say that back in college, you, you made the right decision um, or a decision that you're at least <laughs> happy with today. I really am. You know, I think 
one of the things I said, and this is going to sound a little bit corny to people out there probably, but I told myself I really only wanted to do this sport as long as it was fun for me. And of course, that definition has shifted over time. What, you know, components make it fun for me? I mean, I think early on it was the freedom and the lifestyle, um, you know, kind of just seeing how good I could be, which is still a big piece of it. But now, you know, it's evolved a little bit more like we talked about with the business side, um, you know, and then managing now a, a young daughter. That's a component of it all as well. And being married to my wife and you know, there's just been this evolution, these layers that have built up. Um, so that definition of what exactly fun is has changed. But I can say overall, uh, I'm still really enjoying my job. And I went through an interesting experience last year where I was uh, injured and sidelined from the world championships, didn't get a race. And I think it was kind of a really important thing that ended up happening where it kind of reset my outlook on everything and made me appreciate so much more uh, what I'm doing. And um, you know, it really drove it home for me how privileged we are to to pursue this lifestyle and, and be supported in the way we are. Yeah, it sounds like you just have this incredible mindset, this this strength mentality around everything you do, because to me, like an, an injury immediately thinks, oh, no, income <laughs> is going to be suppressed in some way. Does that go through your mind? What's your thought process when you do get injured? Because I know it's happened a few times. Absolutely. Yeah. It can't be fun. And I mean, unless you're just that crazy where it is fun to you. Yeah, I don't think I'm I don't think I've reached that level of enjoying enjoying the injury quite that much. But I, I would say I have learned, you know, to be um, patient in those moments and to look for the positives as much as, as possible. Um, you know, I think we have a tendency sometimes as people to meditate on the negativity out there and to, you know, gravitate towards the news stories that are all, you know, blood and gore. Um and I think it's really good to practice sort of that attitude of gratitude and to appreciate what you have instead of always looking for more and, and seeing what you don't have. And so, yeah, I do think that, again, that was an important moment for me where I was getting maybe a little bit distracted and off course and away from my passion. Um, and this really drove it home for me when something gets taken away from you and it doesn't really feel like a choice. Uh, it definitely changes your perspective a lot and makes you appreciate what you have. So um, it came at a really important time for me. And, you know, I put together now off the back of that one of my best seasons ever in racing. Um, so hopefully I can continue to carry that um, attitude without having to, you know, subject myself to another injury. Um, I w you know, I would prefer that it's something I carry with me for the remainder of my career. Um, but we all know how that is, too. Right. I mean, it's easy to get kind of, I guess, numb to the lessons and have to relearn them again. Time for a quick message break. CS Instant Coffee is definitely the best instant coffee I've ever had. In fact, just out of convenience and how good it tastes, I decided for the last year I've been taking it on every single adventure I go on from backpacking to bike tours. Uh, just from convenience sake, it's really high quality and it keeps me from having to take a bunch of other equipment out in the woods. Uh, but it's not just for going out on adventures. My wife actually takes some to work every single day with her. She takes a couple packs uh, to refill her coffee mug uh, as a teacher. She doesn't have a ton of time to um, have to you know, make fresh coffee all the time. So she just needs a little hot water, can pour the coffee in and she's ready to go for her next class and not waste a lot of time. So if you're crunched for time in your job, uh, I would definitely suggest giving it a shot because they have been huge supporters of the show for the last year. And I really appreciate everything they've done for us. And it would mean a lot to me to go support them. So if you're interested, go to csinstant.coffee and uh, support those who are supporting the show. It would 
go a long way. Thank you. All right, let's get back to the episode. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I think that we don't need to learn a lot of new things in life as much as we need to be reminded of what we already know. There you go. Uh, you know what I mean? It's kind of just fundamentals, you know, be kind to one another, treat each other with respect, work hard. You know, it's really not a lot of, you know, if you watch an <laughs> NBA practice, they're doing the same things they're doing in elementary school. They're just much, much better at it. Same drills, same everything. So I totally think you're right. So, man, that, that's really interesting that you take the time, you know, with, with an injury to, to reflect and to think about what's important to you um, and to come back and have like one of your most incredible years. W- was that an accident or is that something you said, I, I am going to make next year incredible? Well, I mean, I'd love to take full credit and say it was, you know, fully purposeful and and whatnot. But I mean, the most I can say is that I was mindful of trying to improve myself every day and make the best that I possibly could. And like I said, to carry that attitude of gratitude in one, in my training and racing as well. Um, and I think through doing that on a sort of moment to moment and day to day basis, it led itself to, you know, this high level performance. And I, I definitely need to take a minute here to acknowledge that, you know, this is never uh, a one man show. I mean, I have incredible support, not only from sponsors, um, and friends and family, but my wife, who, you know, is such a big piece of all of this for me. And, uh, you know, she's much better sometimes, I think, than I am um, at actually remaining positive and sort of seeing those, you know, silver linings. So uh, she definitely helped guide me through that phase last year. And um, yeah, and I think we were able to kind of, you know, craft a plan for the year that, that we pretty much executed to perfection, um, which doesn't always happen either. But yeah, it's uh, it's definitely something that was was something that I made, um, like I said, a very mindful effort towards. Um, but again, that doesn't always mean that it's going to happen just right. because you want to, right? So, so to actually, you know, uh, achieve that is is pretty incredible. So, so it's an amazing support system. That's one thing we need. We all need to have in place, and that's what's helped you. And you know, obviously, that was could have been an easy place for you to say, you know, I I just can't do this anymore, or this isn't you know, sustainable and or secure enough. What do you think is the most common reason or reasons you see that people give up on this journey to be a professional triathlete? Uh, that's a really great question. And the first thing that pops to mind, um, and I may modify this as I continue to talk um, and think about it, but no is, is the lack of self-belief probably. Um, you know, I think that's one of the things that befalls almost everybody, uh, no matter what they're doing, whether it's sport or, you know, any other job out there, a relationship as well. I mean, I think these sort of insecurities that we carry around manifest themselves in these really, you know, big and ugly ways and they get in the way um, of our best self. And so, you know, I'm fortunate to have a lot of people around me that are reminding me of the positive af- attributes that I have. Um, occasionally, they're also reminding me of my shortcomings, which I think is important too, uh, keeping <laughs> yeah. me honest. But, uh, yeah, I would say, you know, it's kind of that thing, right. Where, uh, if you don't believe it, it's it's definitely not going to happen. Um, so yeah, I think for me, the best performances and and the best moments in you know my career have been when I have, um, I wouldn't definitely not call it cockiness, but you know, a a tremendous sense of self-belief. I just would never imagine someone's even out there without having an incredible amount of confidence. (laughs) <laughs> Are there guys out there running saying, I just can't do this, I can't do this, and they're on like mile 130? Oh, definitely. I mean, it happens every race. It happens to all of us. And I think that's one of the things that separates the top guys from the other ones is that you're better at 
ignoring um, slash talking yourself down from the from the ledge. Um, but I do think, you know, that a lot of things in life are a, a process of, of self-belief that way. And they, you know, take steps along the way. So you don't just go from being a brand new pro- professional triathlete to a world champion overnight. You know, you take steps along the way that show you that you might have a possibility one day of being there. Um, and I think for some people, those steps never come. And there's a whole variety of reasons behind that. I, like I said, self-belief being one, um, you know, mental weakness on the day, whatever it is, there's a whole lot of things, uh, you know, a lack of innate motivation to get out the door to do the training. Um, and then sometimes you have to acknowledge the role of luck in your life, right? I mean, I think that people are afraid to do that because they think it's a sign of weakness. But I can tell you there's been plenty of times that I know and don't know where I've been lucky. And mm. uh, there's no way around that for virtually anyone out there, I don't think. Absolutely. We can all work as hard as we can, but, you know, we need a little bit of luck every now and then to get us, you know, that that interesting opportunity or that, you know, podium that we might have not gotten otherwise. But I've heard you say like your training, and this isn't like verbatim, but you you train to get your mind to the point of almost breaking, of almost saying, I need to quit. I want to quit. Your body's, you know, screaming it at you. But the training is, is meant to get you there so that you can decide I'm going to keep going. Is that true? And is that something you think that sets you apart? I definitely think that's true. And, and it's absolutely, you know, the way that I approach a lot of my training. I mean, you know, you're you're trying to subject yourself to that sort of area of extreme uh, discomfort and questioning to see whether or not you have the answer to it, right? To see um, whether or not you're going to step up in that moment and to practice being there, to practice being uncomfortable and, uh, you know, embrace it as opposed to kind of shying away from it, having that knee-jerk reaction that we do to move away from the sort of negative sensations. I mean, at a baseline level, we're programmed for survival. So our instinct is to give up on these situations, to move away from them. Um, But to be honest with you, what I've learned is at my core, what I really want is to actually experience those moments because they're the ones that lead to the biggest growth. So for me, I'm actually out there hunting those moments of discomfort because I know they're going to make me better for the, you know, the most critical moments in the biggest races. Um, they're going to make me prepared, you know, to, to answer the question, do I have it with a resounding yes. Have you been able to transfer that skill or that ability to other parts in your life? And, and if so, what, what example do you have? <laughs> well, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is, is, you know, my relationship with my wife. And it doesn't mean that it's a struggle all the time. By far, it's not. But um, you know, I think that the relationships are work and they're acts of endurance in their own way. And, you know, I'm extremely proud of what we've built, um, since we've known each other, you know, and I wouldn't say that we've endured, you know, any more hardships than anybody else out there, but I always think it's, uh, a challenge to bring two people, you know, with differing opinions and ideas about the world together and to, uh, you know, pass through life, uh, as a, as a union. So, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, again, not to make it sound like it's some dramatic struggle fest every day, because it's certainly not. But, uh, you know, it takes a concerted effort and a concentrated, focused effort to to make it work sometimes. And um, it's one skill that I think, uh, you know, like like you said, is applicable to a multitude of, uh, of areas in life. 
Man, yeah, I can definitely speak from experience. Marriage is uh, it is an adventure to say the least. <laughs> that is one one word for it for sure. Yeah, it has its times. It's it's. I think every marriage you could write a book. Any any marriage that's lasted, you can write a book about it because it's crazy once you start digging into it. But that's right. No, sp- speaking of that, and speaking of applying those you know those skills to other parts of life, how how much do you think of your grit? or your endurance or your willingness to not compromise is, is natural and how much is of it has been learned through your training? Well, when I look at, again, my parents, you know, I think there is, um, like, you know, with my father, a component of it that might be, uh, you know, nature as well as nurture from them. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's hard to say the exact amounts or, you know, how that, how that all came to be, but, it's funny because I, I know throughout my life, and again, this could just be from modeling from, you know, my parents or something uh, in my life and other people that were important elements in my early life. Um, but I, I definitely always looked at work, hard work as being extremely rewarding, you know, as you know, work as its own reward. And I always enjoyed kind of getting my hands dirty and having something tangible, um, you know, to show for my effort and and feeling that sense of satisfaction from, from working really hard, you know, whether it was just being tired physically or, um, you know, even sometimes mentally exhausted. So yeah, it's been something that's sort of always been a part of me. And, uh, you know, (laughs) it's funny. I think that, yeah, being uncompromising is, you know, is mostly been really good in my life. I mean, I've enjoyed an incredible life and, um, you know, I, I would think that, most anyone who lived it would probably uh, say the same. And that's not you know, trying to sound egotistical. I just think it's been a, a really blessed and amazing life. Um, but I do think, you know, there's, there's some pitfalls too with being stubborn, I guess, sometimes. And, um, and, and who knows, maybe I've missed some opportunities because of it, but overall, you know, it's, I think one of my better attributes, uh, especially when it comes to racing, you know, you certainly can't ever give up. And, you know, you say you're blessed and you're lucky and all this. It definitely hasn't come without tremendous amount of work that very, very few people are willing to put in, you know, <laughs> like even, even despite all that, how much fun it is and all these places you get to go. It just, it's, it's a lot. It's a, it's a lot, you know, Hey, and I know recently you uh, became a father. Congratulations. Yeah. How has that changed your mindset around maybe competitiveness or, or your races? Do you see things differently now? I would say you know, being a father and I'm still relatively fresh. Our, our baby girl, Josephine is only, um, just turning three months, I think, oh, wow. uh, yeah. this week, this week. Yeah, maybe. So, you know, she's still pretty fresh and, uh, and so am I as a father, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's, uh, it's been eye opening and definitely a shift in my perspective, a positive one overall, I think, uh, you know, in addition to coming off the injury last year, I think a big motivator for me was, um, you know, I came home from one of my first runs back from injury early on in January and, uh, it was January 7th actually. And I came in the door and Kelsey said, I've got some news. And, you know, I said, yeah, what's that? And she's like, I'm pregnant. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, like, yeah, we were trying and that, you know, it wasn't a total surprise that way, but it was just this, you know, overwhelming sense of like, whoa, whoa you know, here we go. Like this is going to be a real game changer and it has been, but overall, no question a positive and I was talking about this with somebody the other day and the way I describe it when it comes to my career in racing, I think it's kind of this interesting uh, double-edged sword where on one hand, you know that the child, especially Josie right now, who's so young that she barely has any concept of her own hands being attached to her body. 
Um, but you know, she's definitely not aware of my racing or caring at all about my finished place. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you hear people say that even as a kid, you know, grows up and starts to understand what you're doing, they don't care about that. As long as you love them and you're around, you know, um, they, they love you back. And, uh, so there's that component, which is really kind of liberating in its own way. And then the other side of that, I think, is you feel a tremendous sense of responsibility. And, you know, on, in that way, it adds some pressure to the performance because you really want to um, provide. And then you also want to put out performances that you're proud of so that, you know, if and when that time comes where the child wants to know a little bit more about it, you can talk about it in a way that you feel proud of. And for me, you know, again, performance is, is definitely a component of that. Um, you know, I think I don't always measure myself in terms of a placing, but uh, you know, it is, it is a piece of the puzzle for sure. Oh man, that's incredible. Yeah. I, I, I've heard a lot of people don't achieve that one thing they've been wanting to until, until becoming a parent, because it's like, now it's not just for my own sake, but I, I want them <laughs> when they're old enough to know what this means to be like, wow, my mom or my dad did that. That's incredible. Definitely a big motivator for me. I'm a, like I said, I think, you know, I'm the best I've ever been. And, and I, I'm really optimistic about these, you know, next few years as well i think there's a lot more to get out of myself and um there's no question that you know having a a little daughter is is definitely raised my game oh man that's so exciting so what what do you wish you would have known when you started out deciding to become a professional athlete what do you wish you would have known then that that you know now uh i mean that's a really great question and kind of a big question (laughs) yeah and i mean kind of my mantra this year and and i really think you know, there's been other moments where maybe I've exhibited a little bit of this, but um, but not in the way that, that I think would have been beneficial as, as a younger athlete. But I, I would say having a better uh, perspective in terms of patience. You know, I really think that especially when you're looking at a race like an Ironman, it's eight hours long for us. You know, there's a lot that can happen in that time and, and extrapolating that to, to the bigger picture, too, that, you know, a month is really not that long. Um, a year is really not even that long. So, um, being patient, having that long view and being willing to work on your weaknesses with, with a, you know, that perspective, that lens that, you know, if you're really, um, fortunate and you work hard and things go your way and you have the support that you're going to have a window of time, you know, at your prime and to really be a world champion, to be on that level. Um, but I think oftentimes in this world we live in, there's so much energy towards the instant gratification. You know, we all want it right now um, that it's hard to be patient. And, uh, you know, it's the same thing with racing that you want it right now. You want to be the best, but it's not the way it works. So, yeah, that would kind of be the the one thing I think I would go back and maybe instill in myself a little bit, you know, more when I was, man, 23, 24 years old. But that's sort of the, the nature of the beast, right? You got to learn those lessons and and live that way in order to get to the to the goal and really have it stick with you. That is, I don't hear a lot of people talk about that, but you know, that's so true. Something I've been doing lately, just kind of from just reading people's life is looking at those gap years, those years where nothing seems to be going on. If I don't do something I'm proud of in a week, I feel like I'm wasting time. And I look at someone that I really <laughs> admire and I'm like, there's like eight years right there that you don't even, they did nothing. <laughs> I would feel so defeated, but really, 
you know, it takes patience to, to gain skill or to gain, you know, you know, wisdom or whatever before you do your life's work. Your life's work might come in a two, three year span much later in life than, than you imagine when you're, yeah, like 22, 23. And so, yeah, I think that's a great point. Right. Yeah. And I mean, the, you know, the writings on the wall, I mean, the evidence was there. But I think, again, when you're young, you're not maybe as keen to, to pay attention to it or whatever. But, you know, I mean, the guys who are, who are who've always been performing well um, in Ironman are in their, you know, mid to late 30s even. And I'm 36 now. So it shouldn't be a big surprise to me that I'm kind of hitting my stride now and, yeah. and reaching my prime. But again, when, when you're younger, you know, you don't really see it and understand it that way. And so. Um, but, you know, I'm happy to be living it now. And, and I do try to give back a little bit to the younger generation. You know, I have a couple guys that I consider, um, you know, people that I'm mentoring a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, whether or not they take it to heart is another thing. Um, again, they have to probably learn the lessons themselves to have them really stick. But, yeah, you know, it's uh, it's something I think we can all benefit a little bit from and maybe slowing down the mind a little bit, too. And, you know, just taking those moments to be a little more relaxed and have that long-term view. Great advice. So for a rapid fire round, I'm just going to ask some quick questions and I just want you to answer them quickly as you feel possible. You can elaborate if you want to, it doesn't have to be one word or anything and then we'll wrap it up. That sounds good, man. Pressure's on. Here we go. Yeah. All right. So number one, what are you most curious about right now outside of your career? Uh, Welding. Yeah, I mean, I've dabbled a little bit, and I like to do that as kind of an off-season project along with a bit of woodworking, so I'm trying to improve my skills a little bit right now. I did not expect you to say welding. That's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> Proudest achievement outside of maybe a podium? Uh, my small contribution to creating a human child. There you go, man. That's awesome. Biggest goal that you haven't yet achieved? Ooh, um, I would say... I would love to win a world title. I think being able to say you are the best in the world at your uh, your job on on one day at least, you know, would be pretty rewarding and, and definitely has been a focus of mine for a big piece of my career. So, yeah, that's probably it. That's that's a big one. That you're in the history books at that point. Oh man, well you already are, you know. But yeah, <laughs> I, I get it. Advice that you have about not compromising. I mean, believe in yourself and follow your heart. You know, you can't go wrong there. And I think when you do and you're honest with yourself, good things are going to come. You know, it's uh, it's when you kind of lie to yourself that you have to deal with the consequences later and they always rear their ugly heads. So, yeah, believe in yourself, follow your heart and do what you're passionate about. Man. And, th and this last one is just kind of my own personal curiosity. With all these races and all these miles, man, over the course of all these Ironmans and, and races, what's the weirdest thing you've ever seen out there on a on a ride or on a on a run on one of the routes? <laughs> well, I got two things really quick, and I mean, sure, this yeah. is not totally PG, but I mean, you see, surprisingly, I've seen a few dildos on the road, and I mean, I'm just always wondering what you know these people were doing. Um, <laughs> You know, out that, their car window. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I mean, it was ho hopefully they were having a, a nice time um, beforehand. But yeah, there was a, a bike ride at Fantasy Island. It, funny enough, is the name of the area around here, a mountain bike area. Um, oh, and you know, there was a whole whole bag of them, actually. So yeah, those people were up to something special that day. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, this is a story that I haven't told yet. Um, I was trying to figure out a way to to work it in at some point but people don't know that this year before the world championships in hawaii i was out for a bike ride of just a short spin 
um, one of my final training rides and I was above town on the coffee road, they call it. And, uh, it's up where all the coffee farms are above Kailua And I'm riding along, probably doing 20 to 25 miles an hour. I'm in my aero bars and this little dog starts running at me, you know, from this driveway on the side of the road. And I see him coming. I'm like, oh, it's a tiny little, you know, you know, one of those yappy dogs. And I'm like, it's surely it's like going to move, you know, like, so I didn't, I didn't flinch. I didn't really hesitate. I just kept riding my line and he didn't move or she didn't move. It just kept running at me. And I literally ran this thing over, um, at 20 plus miles per hour. And somehow I didn't go down, you know, I managed to kind of keep it upright and (laughs) the dog was cartwheeling you know it was tumbling and i mean i saw it get up and run away who knows if it had a broken rib or two but uh seemed okay and i mean it was that close to being you know game over for me at the world champs and uh yeah i mean it was you know not the craziest thing that's ever happened to me probably but it was pretty wild and you know again it kind of speaks to that element of luck that we talked about and just that that chance that's out there where um you just never know man and you know, you, you have to appreciate it when things are going well, because there's zero guarantee that it's going to happen again. And uh, like I said, it was, you know, inches from disaster. So <laughs> poor thing. <laughs> it's, you, you, you probably got there a lot quicker than it expected. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm guessing, you know, I'm sure, it, you know, it doesn't have a human brain. So it probably didn't comprehend what was going on. But maybe I maybe I taught it a lesson. You know, like I said, I don't think it was too hurt. So um, I probably drove it home though for the next guy, uh, you know, that rides by that he won't be chasing that one. Imagine so. the headlines, potential Ironman <laughs> champion taken out by Yorkie. Or That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Glad I don't oh, have wow. to read that headline. Oh no. Yeah. Well, yeah. With the cast. <laughs> oh man, Ben, that was the great way to end, man. I, I couldn't imagine a, a better way to, to wrap this thing up. I really appreciate your time and being on the podcast and, uh, being a part of the athletic brewing community. Yeah, it's great to have the support and, uh, you know, to be be a part of like-minded people. And, uh, yeah, appreciate the support and having me on here. It was, it was a lot of fun chatting. Yeah, absolutely, man. And congratulations again on fatherhood. I, I, I know what that's like, and I don't want to keep you any later. I know it's getting late. So, uh, yeah, enjoy some family time. That's right. Yep, I will. It's off season, so dad duty calls. All right. All right, Ben. Thanks so much, man. Thank you. Take All care. Right. All right, bye. First of all, thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us that you choose to listen to this show. If you'd like to help us further, you can leave a review on iTunes, share us with your friends, your family. It goes a long way to grow in the show. You can also support us financially through patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast. Link is in the show notes. And also, if you have an idea of who could be a good guest for the show, we're always looking for people to tell their story uh, about the outdoors or adventure. So if you know someone, please reach out. Email us at info at adventuresportspodcast.com. And until then, get out there and have some fun.